the BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Hello and welcome to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download and listen to for free on the BBC Essex website. That's bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. I'm Ken Crowther and joining me in the studio this week, a gardener with many years' experience, Paul King. Coming up, we've got your gardening events and your calls on everything from fuchsias, willow trees and carnations. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11. But before we go to your calls, Paul joins me for some top tips of things to do in the garden. Now, come on then, Paul. What's your first one? First one is that uh, your grass is beginning to slow down in the growth, so raise your mower a little bit. Does that help it go into the winter, do you think, as well? I mean, I know it's terrible to think about winter because we're end, end of August, aren't we? But It does. It, it, it produces the root growth more than what the top growth is doing. Because they'd say that if you cut it too short as well, in fact, you damage the base of the grass. Is that right? That's correct. And you're, you're um, making moss. It, it's, moss will come quicker. Because moss grows better than grass, doesn't it? <laughs> exactly. Now, I've been uh, having a look at my rambling roses because they've really taken off this year. And, in fact, I like to cut out some of the old growth, if you can find old growth that hasn't got too much new growth on it. Because what we want to do with rambling roses is just encourage new growth from the base so that you've got a lovely new set of growth that will flower next year. Then I, the other thing I do is, I know a lot of people just train them left and right, but I like to arch them slightly. And if you arch them slightly, I find they flower from lots of new little spurs all along the top because little bits of plant will come out Every leaf axle, that's where every leaf is, you'll get a little shoot and then you get a cluster of flower. So that's worth doing. Tie them in well because then we never know what winter weather's going to throw at us and it might actually uh, get that done. Right, Nick. So there's a little job. So what's your next one then, Paul? Um, next one... Um, oh God. Lavenders, was it you were thinking? Yeah, lav- lavenders. Why, now, it. lavenders, some of them are still in flower and some aren't, are they? Yeah, but but basically, you you really want to top them now, just to take take the take the growth off now, because they are going over, and um, but don't go into the hardwood, but just neat and neat and tidy them. Now it's interesting you say don't go into the hardwood. So why not go into the hardwood? What happens to them if you go into the hardwood? Well, they won't they won't regenerate. They tend to die off. And that's, of course, a big mistake with some people because I know they they let the lavender grow really big, don't they? And they think, oh, it's too big, I'll cut it down. And then death. Dead. Dead. <laughs> Absolutely. No other word for it but dead. Eh? Um, the other thing is, I think, you know, shrubs at this time of the year are often ignored. And if anything that flowered early in the season, you can normally cut it back at this time of the year. And I think we forget that, Early flowering shrubs should have been cut by now, but it's not too late to go over them again, is it? Even Forsythia and uh, Philadelphus have all finished. Cut out all that um, old wood because the new wood that has grown will actually produce new flower next year, won't it? Oh, yeah, on Forsythia, you um, cut it very early and um, that will produce you. It flowers on that new on growth. On new growth. But if you want to, you can cut out the old wood. It won't hurt. Still do it now, though, will it? No, you can do it now. Just only the old wood, though. Not only the, if not, you get no flowers. Too. Exactly. 
And that wouldn't be any good at all, would it? No. So last but not least, I know you're a bit of a flower man. So do you cut your perennials down or do you do like Adrian Bloon and, and leave them all for the winter? Uh, it all depends on what mood I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you generally suggest, though, Paul? Um, I do normally take mine down. All my perennials I take down to ground level um, after they finish flowering and, um, yeah. Is there a reason for that? I mean, is it about tidiness? Are you a tidy-type gardener or what, do you think? Yeah, it's, t- it's tidiness, and then I can I can give it an early mulch as well. So. Oh, I see. What do you mulch with, actually, around the plants? Um, compost, really. What compost do you produce yeah. yourself, mainly? No, or bought, or bought in compost. It doesn't matter, really, does yeah, it's it? Bought, it's bought in compost, actually. So, actually, anything as a mulch through the winter period, and that holds moisture next year, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So there? Yeah, it protects the roots as well. There's a few tips for you for this week. Coming up next, I take your calls on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour. Ken Crowther, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. And we started speaking with Sue, who called me all the way from Hull. Well, I bought a ornamental apple and cherry tree from the okay. same company mm-hmm. um, about four years ago. And I put them in the ground, as you do. And the apple tree has stayed a lovely size, but the cherry tree is about 10 foot tall. Right. Is it, It's an ornamental cherry? Yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah, I mean... It was the, actually described as a bird cherry and not for human consumption, because they don't taste very nice, to be honest. No, bird, bird cherry is just an ornamental cherry tree, but bird cherry as such has got that small fruit. Um, it is quite a large grower, isn't it? I mean, Paul, it's it's big, isn't it? Yeah, very so, big. So, why are you worried that it's ten foot? Because I, I, I mean, it's going to grow. I hate to say it, it's going to grow bigger than ten foot. Oh, right, only because it said that it wouldn't grow very big. Well, the apple trees, what about? I know. Sorry, <laughs> I'm arguing with a hubby. Sorry. Oh, who's the right? The apple trees about what five six, five foot or something. Yeah. The cherry tree, it's about ten foot or more now. You see, the, the apple be the same size. Right, the apple tree could have been on a dwarf stock. Right. which means that it will control the size that it will grow. A bird right. cherry, you couldn't do that to. A bird cherry is a bird cherry. It's, it's not going to be controlled by stock. Right. So it will grow bigger. But you could prune it now, just right. about. Now, okay. remember, you don't prune them in the winter because it's a cherry, it's a stoned fruit, and you must yeah. prune it now. Right. But, okay. but don't just go over the whole of the head and cut it back because then it will grow more vigorously. You need to thin it right, and cut out crossing branches. And then oh, if you okay. did that every year, you'd find that you could control the height as well. Oh, oh. that's lovely. Thank oh. you. Yeah, okay. it looks like it's going to take over the world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> enjoy it anyway. And it's, it's good to hear from you. Lovely to oh, hear that you can hear online. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, Sue from Kingston-upon-Hull. Angela, more local, is from Tolsbury, aren't you, uh, Angela? Yes, good morning. What you got for us? Um, it's my roses. Yep. I've had dreadful black spot this year. I understand it's a fungus. Is that correct? It's a fungal infection, yes. Yes. Um, I've had to dig up one or got someone to do it for me and throw it away because it was so bad but the other one is getting that way and unfortunately I've got 
one that I've had over 30 no, years. No, no, you're wrong to dig them up and throw them away completely, aren't you, aren't you, Paul? You wouldn't do that, would you? No, I wouldn't do that, no. What no. would you do? Cut it back now? Yeah, cut it back, uh, get rid of all the uh, fungal leaves, don't let them get on the ground, and um, next year... Spray it very early as as the first leaves appear. Yes. Spray it very well, early. I, I did try and spray it as early as possible, but unfortunately, because I'd broke my ankle, I was in hospital yeah. early spring, and there was no one to do it for me. Yeah. So now I have sprayed it several times and taken the leaves off. You're, you're doing a thirty-year-old Graham Thomas that isn't all that far away and I don't want that to get damaged. Right, still still don't, definitely don't dig it up, don't dig any up and don't throw them away. Reduce them by about half, yeah. but yeah. you've got to see that what Paul said is you've got to get rid of that leaf, you've got to get rid of that thing, don't leave them in the garden anywhere, give them to the local bin man. Get rid of them because the spores will spread and it's important that cleanliness is the most important thing. Yes. And you've got to spray every month near enough and it will work for you. Oh. So don't get rid of the roses. It will be a shame. OK. Uh, what about... Um, I've been using Rose Clear. That's fine. Rose Clear or Multi Rose. There's two good and, ones. And I wanted to know, does this fungicide harm other plants? No. Won't at all. In fact, you can even use it on other plants for fungal infections. Okay. All right? Yes, thank you very much. That's a pleasure, Angela, but don't get rid of those lovely roses. It's such a shame. Um, we go to Derek in Benfleet. Hello, Derek. Morning, Ken. What, are you, trying, what, Morning. Are, you try, what are you trying to do? Well, my daughter um, has got willow, and we know they take over the garden which that one has, what she wants to do is get it dug up and and uh, get a, a, a container to sink into the hole where they dig it up and then put it in a container. But it'd have to be a strong container, wouldn't it? Is this a weeping willow? Oh, I don't know. It's just a willow. It just spreads. It, it, she's had it for years in her um, garden. Oh, what was it? Paul, I wouldn't even keep it, would you? No, no, no just get rid of it. You won't stop it. You honestly won't stop it. They burrow into drains. They go everywhere. You Did just, I? Yeah, you, you won't stop it growing. Yeah, they search, they they search for water. Uh, yeah, well, years ago, quite a few years ago, when my son uh, lived over here, he's, he lives in America now, but um, he, he put all these, um, like designed it all exotic plants and they put a barbecue and it looked terrific and i said to her one day that uh, that willow is going to take all over your garden and and when she come over last sunday she said uh that willow's taking over the garden isn't it <laughs> yeah i told her get rid of it said, she said can you get your uh, i have a chap who comes around and cuts me grass because i've got arthritis and all that now Ask him to dig it up and put it in a container, and I no. said, "Well, I'm going to ring you first. No, get uh, honestly, get rid of it. it. It's it's it'll cause trouble whether you container it or or whatever you do with it. It'll keep growing. You can't stop right. a willow. All right, Ken. All right, I'll tell her when I see her tomorrow. Yeah, where about if it's a very big? Is it a very big tree, Derek? Yeah, it's quite big. Yeah, she lives in Lee. Yeah. Well, if you're in Lee, you ought to just 
double check with the council that you can take the tree out because remember that in certain areas they're conservation areas and they might be have preservation orders on them so just yeah. cross cross check yeah, it's just spread right all the way yeah. through the garden you know yeah they're big they're brutal and they're best get rid of i reckon Unless you've got an ideal garden, and you really you need a big garden, don't you, for those, Paul? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Right now, let's go to Fuchsias from Sheila in Morden, and don't forget that number to call is 0300 200 40 41. We're talking gardening all the way through till twelve. Sheila, I heard what you said last week about the fuchsias, and unfortunately, some of mine have have got this disease. Um, but can I cut them down to the ground right. and hope they'll be all right next year? Now, you have definitely got... We talked about gall mite. Yes. And it definitely is a crinkling of the ends of the buds, is it? Yes, yes. No, the answer is no, you can't cut them down and they'll come again next year. Unfortunately, you literally have to get rid of them. Oh, dear. And they were my husband's and he's passed and I wanted to keep them. Mm. <laughs> There's nothing much you can do. They re- there's nothing to get rid of it. There's nothing to spray it with. It's the best method is get rid of them. Really is to stop it spreading because it is becoming a major pest. Oh, okay, thank you. I'm sorry to give you bad news because it's not good to have bad news all the time, is it? <laughs> and while while we're on bad news, here's one for you, Paul. Do you know anything about Japanese knotweed and its removal? And also, how did how did the Japanese deal with it? Well, we won't worry about the Japanese, will we? It is a devil to get rid of, isn't it? It's an absolute menace. Um, the only way is to get a contractor who's licensed to um, inject the fungus, uh, the weed killer into it. Yeah, I mean, you can try yourself, but it doesn't really work very well, does it? I mean, no. Roundup is the only thing that you can buy off the shelf to do it with, isn't it? Yeah, and that, it, does, it doesn't work. It, it doesn't work. It comes back. Yep, absolutely. But if you want to try, that's the only thing you can try without getting a contractor, and that's you cut the stem, they're hollow, and you can put a glyphosate, that's something like Roundup, down the stem, and that might help, but it's, it's a devil. Devil to get rid of. And there are even more on the horizon, aren't there, Paul? Because you were talking about earlier about... What's the other one? Yeah, Himalayan balsam. That, that's come under the uh, regulations now and control. And that's a pretty thing because it has a pretty red stem, pretty pink flower and spreads its seeds everywhere, doesn't it? Yeah, bang. <laughs> bang. <laughs> gone. And they've gone everywhere else. Let's go back to talk to George in Dagnum about his Victoria plum tree. Is that right? George? Yes, good morning, Ken. Good Hi, morning, George. Uh, Yep, I've, I've had this plum tree for five years, and really what I want to know is, uh, is it too late to prune the tree? I know you prune them in the summertime, not in the wintertime. What, a plum tree? No, yeah. you could. No, you can still do it now. You're I still in August. Yeah, because you're in August, and stone fruits yeah. you do in the summer. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I, that's what I understood. Why do, why do you... Why do you need to prune it? Because that's our question always with fruit now, is why do you need to prune it? I have totally ignored it in the five years that I've uh, put it on my plot. And, uh, of course, without tender loving care, like everything, Mm -hmm. uh, it it doesn't uh, uh, grow as you'd like it to grow. And, of course, um, it's, it's got good branches, bad branches. It's got, from the main stem, I've got two main stems after round about 18 inches from the bottom, and I'm thinking of cutting one of them completely off. Would I be... What do you uh, think, Paul, at the moment? You could do it now, can't you? 
Yeah, you can do it now, but uh, the sap's rising and they're fruiting, so... Have the fruits finished? <laughs> I've had two plums this year. This is the first two plums I've ever had in the five years I've put it in the ground. <laughs> and as I say, it's my fault, probably, because I haven't really cared for it that much. Right, the answer is yes, you can still prune it. Um right. But I would be careful, because basically Victoria plums are best left alone, aren't they? Yeah, and it might bleed, so uh, if it bleeds, it, it it can kill it. So be careful with a big limb, but any crossing and damaged wood that you're talking about, that's better got rid of. Right, OK. Right. Don't be, in other words, don't be too ruthless. That's that's what we're really saying. Yeah? Oh, I see. Right, OK. All right. Thanks very much indeed. Thanks. Enjoy your programme. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks very much indeed. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Every Saturday from 11. Hello, Jill. Hello. What can we do I, for um, you? I had some beautiful carnations for my one. I don't know if they're called carnations. Are they the smaller ones? It could be pinks or they could be small yeah. carnations because well, anyway, they're awesome. Well, there was a lot of uh, shoots on the, time, on the side and I planted them all and they're all blooming white. Why? Hang on. Were they all white to start with? No. They were all absolutely pretty ones. They were pretty pink ones and now you've got yeah, white ones. all different colours. Yeah. Ah. And they're all blooming white. I'm, I'm lucky that they, they grew, actually, because they're only the little shoots off the side, what you pull off when you, when you put them in water. Now, come on, Paul. You grow, you grow perennials. Have you, got, have you ever come across that happening? No, I've never, never come across them reverting in, in, into a different Because normally they shouldn't revert, should they? No, no. Um, There's no real reason, is it? No, there isn't. Because no, if I... you take a cutting, the cutting should be the same as the original plant. Yeah. Seed, That's seed, what I thought. seed can be different, but, but stem cutting cannot, sh- cannot and shouldn't be different. No. Oh. Unless you had two, two pots, two plants in the pot, and one was white and one was a pretty pink or whatever the other colour was. And, in fact, it's ended up that you've taken the white ones. I mean, that could happen, but it's rare. No, they were all white ones. The ones that bloomed were all white. And that was only curiosity made me phone you up. Curiosity kills the cat, they say, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I have, honestly, it, I mean, soil type. Is it, was it that you planted it? The flowers faded, and then the new this new this new batch have come up different. Or what's happened to the old original plant? Oh, they've been in the dustbin a long while. That was my birthday. They were my birthday plants, and they were in that was in March. Ah, I had so many, and they're all they're all these cuttings on the side, and of these, and I don't like to chuck them. So oh no, hang on. Are these ah oh, are these cuttings from a cut flower? Yeah. Oh, because I thought you said they were cutting from a plant. They're cutting from a oh, cut no, flower. No, 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 that no, could be, couldn't it? Yeah. Oh, that yeah. could be so because sometimes they all dye a flower yeah. with feeding it, spray. dye or spray it. Oh, I see. That's why you got white. That's why I got white. Is that all right. White see, we got Thank there in the end, didn't we? We got there. Yeah, well, the cat's dead now. <laughs> very good, Jill. Like it. Okay. Thanks very much for your call. That's that's an interesting one, isn't it? Eh? Oh, Alfred from Eastwood. Hello, Alfred. Hello there, Ken. What you got? Um, well, what I've got, um, I've got a small lawn. It's about twenty-eight square meters, I suppose, 
and um, I've got some weed killer, which is for lawns. Yeah. Right? Now I've um, I've mowed the lawn, and now I don't know whether to put the weed killer on, you know, after I've allowed three or four days, or I also want to aerate it. Now, is it better to put a weed killer on first or to aerate it first? I've got one of these um, ones that takes a plug out of the ground, you know, about three inches by about half inch plug when you no, um, aerate wrong, it. Wrong time of year, isn't it? Yeah, oh, is definitely it? wrong time of year. And oh, don't right. and don't put the weed killer on until there's a forecast of rain. So don't do it definitely this weekend. Or is it a liquid? No, what? it's, it, it, it's uh, like granules that you yes. have to mix up. No, Paul, that's really important to say, isn't it? You've got a granular weed killer. So what do you have to do? You have to watch. Don't put it on in the dry weather. You've got to, you've got to make sure that there's rain in forecast so it washes it in and that because if you do it in the dry weather it will scorch the grass and you won't have hardly any grass left okay then so it's best to put the weed killer on first before you yes don't don't aerate until much later in the year you can aerate in the autumn really when the when the ground's much moister and you can deal with it in a lot easier okay then that's all I wanted to know, really. All right. <laughs> so the weed killer on when when it's uh, when you know you're going to get when you know you're going to get some rain. Yeah, and then later if, on in the year. Yeah, the September, area. October. Okay. Right. Thank you very much, Ken. Yeah. Thank you. Thank okay. You, That's fine. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, Right, and we move on to Dave in St. Odis. And, yes, you've sent us some pictures, Dave. That's Um, right, yeah. Yeah, what we think is, and, in fact, we were talking about it, we we had a quick quick preview of this uh, before... Um, you you reckon it's come in with birds? Do you reckon, Paul? It could have come in from drop from a bird. I, I don't really recognise the leaf, and until it flowers, it, it, it'd be a help if I could see it in flower. But the leaf at the moment, it, it's not looking like anything I've seen before. So it could be dropped from a bird from a seed table or something like that that's germinated. You don't feed birds well, at all, dear? Yes, and ah. right where it is as well. So, that's it. That's it. Yeah. It's very difficult to judge at this stage. The one thing we can tell you it isn't, it's not hemp, because right. hemp is one of the things that is often in uh, birdseed. Uh, I mean, we always jokingly say, oh, it's not hemp, because yeah. <laughs> it isn't. Uh, I can tell you that, because that doesn't look like a hemp plant. Um, but they, they use a variety of quick-growing, uh, a, a plant that will produce flower and seed very quickly, which this yeah. has grown very quickly. Yeah, um, so it's and, about and three from, weeks. <laughs> and they collect the seed from all over the world. So you, you can imagine that you could get a plant from anywhere in the world. Chances it might never flower, but it yeah. might produce something that we can recognise in the future. Well, I'll keep my eye on it, and if, it, if I get a flower, I'll send it off so you can have a look at it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hemp has a, a, a more serrated edge to it, and it's a slightly narrower narrower leaf than that one. Mm. So, mm. all right? Yeah, OK, thanks very much. Can you keep us in touch, though, because we'd love to love to know what it is. So. I, I will indeed. If it yeah. flowers, I'll send you some more pictures. <laughs> yeah, great. Thank you very much indeed. And, uh, Paul, what were we talking about earlier? We were talking about Himalayan balsam, and Keith from Hawkwell would like to comment on it. Is that right, Keith? Yes, I would. Um, I grow Himalayan balsam in a couple of places in the garden on purpose because it does attract the black fly away from my beans. Yep. 
Uh, it's a lovely flower, and the bees really love it. Well, do you know, I think both... Would you, Paul? You'd agree. Yeah. It's a lovely flower, isn't it? It's a lovely flower, yeah, but unfortunately it's come on one of the lists which has got to be controlled. Yeah, that's because it gets into the rivers, Yep. And the river authority don't like it. That's right. So we're going to yeah. be encouraged not to have it in our gardens at all. You'll keep, I know you, Keith, you'll keep growing it for the for the black fly and the birds, won't you? That's right, yeah. And the bees. And the bees. <laughs> but it is a pretty flower. The problem is, and I think we might have explained earlier, that you know that when that seed produces, it really goes bang, doesn't it, and flies everywhere, doesn't it? That's right, it does, yes. But you, the plants are easy to pull up and get rid of. That's all. So you're you're not. I do you think it's a problem then? I don't think it's a problem at all. No. So have you have you got neighbours? It's no. It's not spread out of the garden at all. And where I got it in the garden, it hasn't actually spread anywhere. Well, you're you're very lucky then. <laughs> I grow it in one corner, and and that's it. You know. So, well, Keith, you know, half of me agrees with you because I like it as a flower. It, it is attractive, um, and it's one of the few things that grows up to a reasonable height and gives a nice bloom, isn't it? That's right, and it's um, a fairly soft thing. It's easy to pull out. It's not like a hard weed or anything like that. It's not like Japanese knotweed, is it? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Keith, okay. we always appreciate your comments because that is what, you know, the programme's about. It's about discussing it's not just about us telling you what you should be doing so that's nice to hear from you keith okay thanks very much they are there's keith saying well why not use it if you control it which he's right in a way isn't he yeah let's go to linda in clacton just a reminder linda has rung us on 0300 200 4041 linda we're talking escalonias yes that's right i've got one in my front garden and um, what i'd like to know is when i can prune it and how hard can I prune it? When would you prune it, Paul? An um, escalonia, is it, st- is it still Is it still in flower? Uh, no, it's just finished flowering. Right, now, now's the time to prune it then. Right, um, OK. If you prune escalonia very hard, it will regenerate, um, yeah. but it takes a little while to come back. Oh, but right, you won't But you won't kill it if you do it hard. Yeah, Okay. That's and, g- and give it a feed after you've pruned it really hard, just to burp, pe- you know, pep it up a bit. And even right, a li- okay. and at this at this time of year, give it a liquid feed, possibly like even a seaweed-based feed. That will give it a real boost, and it will go take off again. Right. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure. Um, let's go to Hibiscus with Shirley in Clacton on Sea, Sunny Clacton. Yes. yes. Did Hi. you enjoy? Did you enjoy the air show? That's what I want to know. Excellent. Unfortunately, I couldn't meet uh, Sadie Nine because I was doing the store for a charity. Oh, good for you! Much more important than meeting Sadie Nine doing the charity work. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! <laughs> right. Um, I want to know. I've got a hibiscus. It's rather large. Mm-hmm. The flowers come over for a little while and then they drop off. And I'm wondering whether it's because it. Need some TLC pruning or whatever. I don't know. It's funny, actually. Paul's grimacing. His face is grimacing because hibiscus, I reckon, and I bet he agrees with me, are they one of the most trickiest shrubs that you can possibly have in your garden? We had questions about it last week and someone wanted to prune one hard and I said, oh, don't prune it hard because they don't like being pruned. And they do this. They drop flowers sometimes before they open. They do all sorts of things. 
Well, I mean, is there anything we can help a hibiscus with, Paul, do you reckon? I, it, it's, it's the most strangest plant I've ever come across. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Um, I, I think um, perhaps it might be uh, we had a dry winter and uh, we've had relatively little little rain at the moment. It could be that it's dry. Are the leaves turning yellow before they drop? Um, as I look out of my back garden, um, no, they're bright green. Right, so it's not like a water, no, not like not a, water, a lot, lot of feed either. It's getting enough. Give it a bit of tomato food. Yeah, might help. Give it a bit of tomato food and a um, bit of high potash, and it might flower and might hold on to them. All oh, right, because I'm forever lasting picking up the buddy bits, <laughs> the flowery bits that don't even form. Yeah, that, no, it, it could it could be still a lack of water, especially because we've had it fairly hot and that. But um, mm. I'd give it a high potash feed and um, hopefully it'll hang on to the buds. Okay then, Ken. All right. Thank you very much, Paul. Thank Bye. You very much, Ken. Uh, okay. Very good program. Lovely. Bye. Good to hear from you. Know, Shirley in Clacton on Sea, who uh, enjoyed watching the show, even though she didn't get to meet our Sally Nine. But never mind. We more important to do the charity work. The number to call is 0300 200 4041. It's 0300 200 4041. That's that number to call. Give us a call now and we'll talk gardening. Um, and we got sent some very nice pictures. Now, they're in front of me, but I have shown Paul this. And this is from Basil Southgate. Oh, sorry, yes, just uh, there's a line free. So 0300 200 4041. Give us a call now. And Owen will pick that up and pop you through to us. Um, yeah, sent some pictures in, Basil Southgate from Thoughtless Soken, and he's a bit confused because he's got a tree that is a pear tree, and on this pear tree he has what looks like little round apples with tusks, uh, with, um, what's the bit on the end called, the... Is it the, the Well, where the blooms come from, there's a crusty bit on the end, just like you get on the end of a pear, but a really big one. And then another bit of the tree has got some delicious-looking pears. And he's saying he's a bit confused because he's got these two things growing on one tree. I'm wondering if you're able to name them for me. Um, so he's confused. Some photographs of two types of pears growing on one tree. So... What's the decision, Paul? This um, it, the it, little the little ones are quinces. Quinces, yeah. Now why Which are is, they quinces? Well, it's a member of the pear family, but it's the rootstock. The quince is taking over from the original rootstock, and and it's the stronger grower out of the two of them than the pear. So it's all down into the rootstock. So really, if you want. These delicious pears. That's a nice Second. pear you got there, Ken. <laughs> if you want those, you've got to, what, get rid of the quince? Yeah, cut the quince out. Cut the quince out completely? Yeah. Because you should be able to find where it's coming from, shouldn't you? Yeah, you should uh, be able to see where it is, down at the bottom of the rootstock. So there. So there are. there's your answer, Basil. You've got the, the rootstock growing as well as the top of the tree. And it happens in lots of plants, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. And we just advise people. Ken Crowther, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Now we go to an interesting one because we're going to Christine from Burnham. Um, it's a problem I, I asked you about a couple of months ago. I have a big problem and I and my neighbours have got a big problem with badgers. 
tearing up the place. Yeah. They're digging huge holes everywhere. They're ripping up the lawns. And I know at that time a lady phoned up and said she used human hair and she recommended it to friends and it worked. Right. And I tried that. I got a bag of hair from my, my hairdresser and I put that all around the entrance where they mm. come in. It doesn't make a heap of the difference. Well, no, I've, I, I have, to be, have to say I've not really heard that work with badgers. I know it works with deer sometimes. Um, no, we don't have that problem. I just wondered, has anyone tried any, you know, these ultrasonic beams? And do they work? Well, they work on cats. Yes, because you can buy them. I've seen them in some of the stores, and they only sold for use to deter cats. Yeah, they and don't... I don't know whether they no. work on badgers or no. dogs or they... whatever. No, you see, when, when, when they design these things, you have to pick up with the sonic um, noise that has to be at the wavelength that the animal can pick up on. And that's yes. why the cat one, for instance, we can't hear, because it's above... Our hearing. Yes. Um, so if it's not designed for badgers, it won't work. No. Well, that's why I didn't get. I didn't get one because I no. thought possibly it wouldn't for that reason. You see. And but really, the thing is, these poor badgers. You know, they're they're digging up for grubs and things. Well, this it may... is the thing, and I do think mm. who is the problem to who? Are we the problem to you know? Are we more the problem to them because well, we're if... taking taking away their habitat. Well, if you, were, if you were in the Badger Society, and I'm not knocking them, that's what they would say. We built houses on their ground. I mean, it's yes. like the storybooks, isn't it, that you, you can read children's storybooks yes. where they're building houses and the birds are all moving away, you know. Yes. Um, it's it it's is, a big problem. I mean, I, don't, you know, I wouldn't want to hurt them, but no. at the same time, they're just decimating the place, Ken. It's like it, having a big dog come in your garden every night and tearing everything up. Isn't it, I mean, have you, got, Paul, have you found any, anything that deters them at all? No, but I'm are, are you leaving food out for them? No, no, I don't. No, and I don't uh, think anyone else does because I've said, you know, like, I, got, I know a friend of mine who lives a few hundred yards away. She used to put peanuts out for them. She doesn't now. I never feed them, Ken. What about... Fact, what about I don't even feed the birds in the summer. What about apple trees? You got apples? Yeah, there's nothing on it this year. Oh, no, because they come in for apples, I know. They're definitely coming for apples. I'll tell you what, look, we've got 22 minutes left of this programme. Come on, somebody yeah, must, have, must have must have, a, something that they can help Christine with. Christine oh, from yes. Berman is trying to stop badgers. Got any ideas? Come on, give us a call now. And that's 0300 200 41. Please, nothing that is nasty, because we don't do nasty on this programme. So 0300 200 40 41 if you have a tip on slowing badgers down if nothing else uh john from sudbury let's talk to john from sudbury because he's got a caterpillar he wants to tell us about is that right yeah that's correct it's a very large one about the size of an index finger say four inches long and about the same thickness it's green and it's got a spiked horn on its tail end um first of all is it harmful and second I'm looking it up. I, I believe it might be a privet hawk caterpillar. Yeah, which privet hawk. Yeah, the hawk moth. You see, beautiful. Be, yeah, you see, the moth is beautiful. Even the caterpillar is interesting. What? It's an interesting one, isn't it, Paul? Because I always remember um, when we had an, a, a nursery, a retail nursery, and I remember the guy, one of the plant, the plant, one of my plant managers was. Um, it was very organic, you see, and I'd say, uh, you must spray those trees because they're covered in caterpillars, you see. And I'd go back a week later and he'd, I'd say, there's still caterpillars. Have you sprayed it? And he said, no, he said, because they're moth caterpillars and we don't want to kill the moths. Well, of course, he's right. 
was I right and was he... Well, you know, who was right? Because I'm trying to sell a tree without holes in it, you see. And it's a very difficult thing. And I believe that in the average garden, if they're not decimating the garden, we should leave them. So I don't know whether you agree... Yeah. It depends oh, what no, it's I, eating. I, I, didn't want to kill, I didn't want to kill it. I just wanted to know, yeah. one, the little spike tail, yeah. is it harmful in any way? It's, no, you know, no. But for a child. No. And, uh, and the other thing is, um, no, the, it only lives in a privy hedge, so it yeah. doesn't matter if it chews a yeah. few leaves. There's so it's seven. best to put it back and leave it alone. Yep. yep. Or, would, or would it harm other plants? No, no, not at all. So leave well alone. Okay, because it's a huge thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing, very quickly, was I believe I've got mare's tail weed. Good luck. On one, on one <laughs> Sorry, shouldn't and laugh. I, I think every morning I'm pulling it out by the root all over. How do I get rid of it? Well, you won't by pulling it out, will you, actually? Do you think so, Paul? No, no, you, you won't get it rid of it like that, no. You've got to actually, I hate to say it, you've got to use a spray and continuously use a spray like of, of glyphosate, which is of something like Roundup and keep spraying it. But you'll be yeah. lucky to clear it completely, but you will pull it back. And watch, okay. remember, Roundup will kill anything green. So you have to be yeah. careful that you go round your other plants. Yes, I'm fully aware of that, the dangers of that. Yeah. Thank, thanks very much. Okay, that's John from Sudbury. And we go now to Teresa from Colchester. Hello, Teresa. Hi. Um... Um, I've got a query with my plum tree, actually. Um, it's very badly diseased. And we've got all sorts of things climbing up and down it. But the thing is, I want to cut off some of the branches. And I know you're not supposed to do it after June. Is it all right if I have a sealant so I can no. cut No, no, that's... No, oof, I jumped straight away there, <laughs> didn't I? Oh, don't use a sealant at all. No? The sealants now are the worst thing that you can do because you seal things in rather than let the plant sort itself out right. they used they used to use them in fact i think in my my gardening time i think we've had sealants that were popular then they disappeared then they came back and now they've gone again ah. but, but generally the plant will seal itself it's pumping up uh sap, sap. still isn't it yeah and it will seal itself won't it this yeah. time of year absolutely and it won't cause it a problem if i cut it back now because i, I thought you could only cut them back in june no, well, you get away just about in August, but that's about it. Right. It's the frost, is it, that's the problem? It's the what? Is it frost that's the problem, that you're not supposed to cut them back? No, no, it's diseases. They, they oh. get diseases into the tree if you cut them during the winter period. Right, OK. You can yeah, u you try using a tar wash. And, uh, I can cut away merrily. Hang on. <laughs> and use, use a wash. Use a winter wash, a tar wash. Oh, oh, they're, not tar tar. Tar. No, they're not made of tar. They're not made of tar anymore. They're not made of tar anymore, but they're winter washes and they help. Yeah. Well, what I've got at the moment is there's all the predators are on it, so I thought, well, yeah. let them have a good feed. <laughs> yeah, fine. <laughs> Give it a winter wash and you might clean it up. Yeah. Yeah, I'll do that then. So when should I spray them with a winter wash? About autumn, September, October? No, later. November, December. November, December. Brilliant. Okay. Thank okay. you very much. That's Teresa from Colchester, and we go to David in Wethersfield. Hello, David. Good morning. What can we do for you? Um, I've got a big problem with uh, very tiny red ants in my lawn. Oh. I think someone told me they're fire ants. 
Well, they're, they're not the fire ant that's in America. I think it's America fire ants, aren't yeah, they, in Africa? Yeah. Um, yeah. They're not, but they will. They do sting. They'll cool. give you a sting. Um, it's not yeah. a fatal sting, but they'll sting you. Um, how do you get rid of them? I went to a garden. I went to a garden yesterday, actually, another garden yesterday. I went to look at, and in fact, I said, "Why have you got um, a big yellowy white patch in your lawn?" And he said, "We used to have you. We used to have ants there, and the wife put boiling water on. <laughs> so don't do that because it kills the lawn. But um, yeah. people, I mean, are they in the lawn, or they're in the lawn, or everywhere? They are all over the lawn." Sometimes after a heavy downpour, the next day I've got about 20 little piles of dirt. And what I've been doing is just flushing them in with water, with a spray, to get rid of the eggs and then spread them out. Yeah. Try and get rid of them. But I've tried ant powders, I've tried ant granules. Yeah. The reason, right, the reason they rise is because when your water table changes, the water comes in the bottom and they like living in dry conditions, don't they? So, yeah. I mean, there's several things on the market that you can try. Um, my favourite, <laughs> we all have our favourites, mine was called Ant Stop. Now, Ant Stop is one that you spray the ants with. So you disturb them, they come up, you spray them. Now, it doesn't kill them. People expect it to kill them. But, in fact, they take the, the workers will take that down into the nest and then they, they preen each other. They're very clean things, ants. They clean each other and they'll then spread it into the, into the nest. So you just use a fork. Use a fork, just um, sort of, you know, disturb it and spray the ants as they come up with ant stop. Give that a try. Yeah, I have used the granule ant stop. Yeah. I've... I've got through two tubs, I think. Yeah, try try the spray, try try the spray because that's all you can do. Got yeah. no, we got no other. Aunt. I don't think there's a nematode for ants either. Not that no. I know of. No. no. So what, the, ant, the ant stock I bought last year yep. said kills all ants. This year I bought it. Exactly the same packaging. It said kills black ants. Right. Okay. All right. Give it a go and let us know. Try the try the liquid one and see if that works. Uh, coming to Tony in just a little while. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Every Saturday from 11. Tony from South Woodham. Come on, Tony, what you got for us? Ah, good morning, Ken. Uh, it's a problem with uh, cherry tomatoes, which I grow every year. I, I save one each year, dry it off, get the seeds, use my own compost, plant them up in... in troughs um and they're out in the garden each year lovely um each year i get a slight problem with a little bit of uh turning black and then crinkly afterwards but this year it's been really bad Um, and they get to a certain size green then they'll start to go black on top which will work its way down and then almost as though they're starting to shrivel they'll um be a bit um Mm. crunched up now hang on when you say top, where's the black? It's not at the bottom of the eye, no, is it? No, it's it's where top. the vine goes in, meets the tomato. Right. What are the leaves of the plant doing? Uh, most of them are okay. Some are drying up. It's not blight because what you're describing is nearly blight on the tomato. Right. But it's not blight because the leaf should be affected. Although I met someone this week earlier and I was talking about tomatoes and they said they've been growing tomatoes this year and the tomato has got blight, but the plant hasn't got blight, 
which is which is a bit strange. But yeah. remember that but blight forms different mutations, so it's actually very difficult to spot what's going on. It's describing blight, isn't it, where it goes black at the top and goes round and crinkly, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, There's nothing else it could be, is there? Unless the the seed that you're saving has been infected previously and you're re-sowing it, it could be your seed. I, I would suggest you start with um, diff, new new seed from next year. Right, right. Even though you're using a healthy tomato to get the seeds from, yeah, it could be in. It could be, it could yeah. be in the seed. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, is there anything I can do this year? Um, no, no, <laughs> no. Right. Do right. they taste horrible when you, if you pick them early? Um, all the other tomatoes, they're tasting fine, delicious. Yeah. Obviously, I've not tried. <laughs> Not tried any of the ones that have been affected. Right, and is um, that a different variety to the other ones, or are they all no, the same? No, no, they're all, all the plant. I grow about 25, 30 yeah. each I year, f- and they all come from that one tomato from that, the previous year. It's, yeah, there's some mutation going on in there that's, that's wrong. I would so try better to start fresh again next year. Start fresh again next year, and, and let us know how you, how you get on, can you? Yep, will do. Okay, that's, right. that's lovely. Thank you very much for your call. That's an interesting one. And we go to Lynn from Cressing. Hello, Lynn. Hello. <clears throat> um, I bought two hydrangea mophead plants last year mm-hmm. and planted them. Um, and they, they look really, really healthy. They've doubled in size, but they've had no flowers. When did you... You bought them last year in a garden centre. Were they in flower when you bought yeah. them? And they I should can't have remember. Bought... I can't remember. When did you buy it? The reputable um, autumn. I think it. Yes. Uh, If you bought them in the autumn, they might not. They might have been cut to produce nice foliage, but wouldn't have second year growth to grow the new buds on. Ah. So leave well alone. Don't touch it. Leave well alone. Feet. Okay. Just 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 nip the deadheads off in. um, There's no deadheads. Haven't got any flowers. Haven't got any. No, nothing. They no, leave them alone then, and, and put some pot, pot, put some um, tomato feed in. Give it some tomato, tomato feed, feed. Okay. even now. Right. Even now, yeah, even now. All right. Okay, I shall do that today. Lovely. Thank you very much. That's After fine. the program, of course. Um, now we go back to we're talking plum trees again, aren't we, Alan? <laughs> Anne, sorry, Anne from Kenton in Suffolk. Hello there, Anne. Hello, Ken. What you got up with your plum tree? Well, my plum tree is, um, we inherited it, so I don't know how old it is. Right. But it's always had loads of plums on, and this year it's got a mega crop of plums. But unfortunately, three of the branches, quite big ones, have just split and fallen to the ground. And I'm not quite sure what we should do about it, because the tree's really good, but... These branches are just hanging down the ground and there's still loads and loads of plums on the tree. Right. You have to just get, get out with your saw, do you reckon, Paul? Yeah, you, you saw, saw that, saw what's broken off, so it's yeah. got a nice clean cut. Um, unfortunately, yeah. there's a lot of plum trees that are doing this. Um, they've, they've got too, much weight, uh, too much weight in the tree. We've got a lot, yeah. a lot, lot of leaf. They're in full leaf at the moment. We've had some yep. fairly heavy rain and we've had yep. some wind and there's a lot of yep. weight on them bells and they are breaking. Right. right. It, it's, if, if you want to take the weight off of it, d- 
do do a winter prune and just right. prune it out in the winter to take the weight off the bells. Right, and should I have taken off some of the plums because it's really, really loaded? Yes. Should I have taken off some of the plums earlier in the year? Yes, you thin the bunches. You get a better sized plum that way as well. Okay, that's All right. great. Thank you very much indeed. Might not happen again. That's the trouble with gardening. We never know, do we? That's the problem. Uh, 0300 200 4041, that's the number to call. And we go to Colin in Harridge. Hi, Colin. Yeah, hi, Ken. Uh, nice to speak to you at last, my gardening guru. <laughs> what, have we got? Right. what have we got today? My cherry tomatoes are doing absolutely famous. Absolutely Lovely. famous. I've retired from sea, so you're going to get lots of questions from me now in the future. Okay. But but, but what we need to know now is the cherry tomatoes are as high as I can reach, the plants. Now, um, what I'm thinking, I don't know what you think, but should, could, because they're growing outside, should I stop them now, not let them grow and just put all the energy into the tomatoes? Or just leave them to keep growing. It's, in, it's interesting. You say, Paul, what would you do out of interest? <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd stop them now. I'd have stopped them earlier. Um, and oh. also, to help them ripen now is to take the leaves off that are covering the tomatoes. Yes, I've done, I done that because well I remember done. listening to you, uh, um, a listener, um, in one of the f- um, previous programmes to take all the leaves off. So I've done that. Good. But, uh, yeah, so stop them, and the ones that are flowering now... Oh, let them flower, them that's all right. Yeah, yeah, let them flower, oh, let, let them flower what's flowering, uh-huh. but just just yeah. take the tops out now, because you want to get all the strength into the, the, the uh, tomatoes that are on there now. Yeah, because we don't really do green tomato chutney. No, <laughs> no I can't understand that. Not everybody's favourite, is it? Anything else from, from you? Um, yes, please. Uh, hazelnuts. I grew a hazelnut tree about five years ago next to the chicken run and it's gone absolutely crazy and I'm wondering about pruning it down a little bit I would say it's about oh, 15, 18 foot high right. and uh, it's got loads of hazelnuts on it but That's I'm good. thinking about chopping it down a little bit Right, well they're better thinned than chopped um, right. You normally, the, the, normally you would take out about a third of the main stems uh-huh. Down to about, you can take them down to a foot, and then you'll get new growth coming up, which in turn will produce nuts in a couple of years. Ah, right, I see. Yeah, so it's, not it's, a case, the, it's not like raspberries where you cut it down the ground and it'll grow up again. Well, you can, but I normally cut them down to about a foot or so because you get a better a sort of base of them, a stall of them. Right, right. All right. Right. Okay. Yep, that's super. Yep, and I okay. look forward to many more questions with you in the future. <laughs> now I'm retired. Oh. Okay. Um, give us a call if you, oh, I can squeeze one more call in. 0300 200 4041. But I'm going to deal with some of the uh, questions that we've also got on the text as well. And this one was from Hillary. I've um, had to get rid of some tomato bars, a couple of grow bags, as they were showing signs of blight. Normally I put the spent compost from grow bags onto my flower beds. What can I do with this compost? Your advice will be appreciated. Put, put, it, put it in your green waste bin and let the council do it because they get uh, more heat in their um, compost. When and really that, the reason for that is because the spores, isn't it? The, yeah, spores, the spores are in there. And we don't want anything anywhere, do we, with blight? It's just better got rid of, isn't it? Yeah? 
Uh, I normally grow tomatoes in a greenhouse and just do the small sun gold outside, so I've learnt a lesson for the future as I've not uh, been blight before. Blight actually hasn't been a major problem this year. It, it's, it's not much about, has it been, Paul, really? No, not, not as much as it was. It's been pretty good. So they are. That's got rid of... That's got rid of... That's done that one. Um, don't forget, there. Uh, just a reminder before I finish off on these questions, there's a podcast that will be up uh, usually this afternoon of the programme and you can listen. There's some extra tips on what to do in your garden as well on that and some of those events around the county and that all you do is go to the front of the website for the podcast um so watch out for that if you haven't got all the program let's just go back to some of the questions michael in great Walsham says he has green apples coming from his potato plants what's going on that's because they're like they're part he's talking about they're like tomatoes aren't they they're just the seeds they're actually poisonous aren't they yeah absolutely don't touch them eat them (laughs) totally totally poisonous just cut them off and take them put them onto your compost heap that's what you need to do with those so get rid of those Um, how can I get rid of white powdery mildew on black dahlias which are in pots I would say it's a bit late but could you get rid of them Paul well, powdery mildew. You won't get rid of it now, unfortunately. But what you've got to do for next year is make sure that they've had got plenty of air around them, and they're well watered. You must keep them well watered this time of year because the heat we've had at the moment and and uh, lack of rain and um, no air going round. So that's the problem with that. Constance in Southminster says, everywhere you go, the blossom has been marvellous and the blackberries are fantastic. She's never seen it so good in 50 years, she quotes. How about that? What do you reckon? Do you reckon they're as good as usual? The blackberries, have you tasted any, Paul? No, I don't do fruit. You don't do fruit. <laughs> <laughs> He's a gardener, but he doesn't do fruit. I like it. But it has been a great year for, for Bloom, hasn't it? Fantastic. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Now, one last one here. we got Mike in Leon C. He says he feeds Niger seeds to his birds, and they have germinated if they get wet. The Niger tree resembles the Himalayan balsam. That's interesting. He's saying it's similar. Yeah. But that, that's not on the list, though, is it? No, no, not on the list. No, And it is interesting, isn't it, to think that we do get things that, um, you know, we're told that we've got to get rid of, because sometimes it's a shame, isn't it? Because there's that interesting one that uh, we were talking about earlier, the balsam, which is a pretty one, but still. These things happen in gardening. Thank you for all your calls today, and thank you, Paul, for joining me. But... More importantly, don't forget to join me next week at the Orsit Show. Straight after the programme, I'll be down there to answer your gardening questions. Ken Crowther on BBC Essex. It's time now on the podcast for some of those events around the county. And we'll start with Mark's Hall Estate in Coggleshaw because their outdoor exhibition of sculpture is still on. Yes, 300 pieces from over 50 national and international sculptures. And that's open from 10.30am till 4.30 every day. Normal garden entry and open applies. So they are till Sunday the 10th of September. Go along. At Fearing Manor in Fearing near Colchester, it's open part of the National Garden Scheme. The 10-acre garden has two ponds and is filled with plenty of interesting plants and that's open every Thursday and Friday right through till the 6th of October between 9 and 4. Saturday the September the 2nd, 2 till 4, Billericay Horticultural Society have their annual show at the Methodist Church Hall, Billericay. Entries free, refreshments, all of the usual things. One more for the September the 2nd, that is, Tiptree Garden Club holding their Owl to Autumn show at Thirstable School. 
cups and certificates will be presented by, yes, the famous Ray Clark from BBC Essex. So do go along, and that's from 2pm. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Every Saturday from 11. Thanks for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download each week for free from bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. Next week, my special guest will be Lucy Chamberlain, so make sure you tune in to BBC Essex on Saturday morning from 11. And if you've got a gardening question, be sure to give us a call on 0300 200 40 41. Ken Crowther, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex.